Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here, Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Catalyst. And I'm joined today with a panel and fired up about our discussion as we talk about three questions that uh, are gonna help us as we get ready for our groups to regather at church. And just wanna say a quick word to you if you're viewing today, it's really important when we do these panel discussions that we hear from you. So in this chats below, uh, we want you to comment. Let us know that you're here. Let us know where you're from. Uh, where, as we always do, we're going to give away some free swag. So make sure that you comment because we'll be choosing from the comments on that. Also, just to make sure that you know that we're able to do these things and, and post and bring panels in and do all these discussions because of the CP dollars that your church gives. So thank you so much for giving. Now, let me give a few introductions here. Um, Jenny Carter is uh, with us and she works with our Jenny I guess is children in preschool on our next gen team and we've got Cameron Wilkins also on the next gen team working with all of our student ministers uh, super excited to have them and then leading our discussion today is Big Mike Taylor so Mike's going to guide us through and uh, and I'll bring us home back at the end so Mike take over here and let's get into some discussions bro well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity, and we're going to have a great time today. We want to talk about how those groups look like when they get back. Uh, you know, the churches have already begun the conversation, and many have already returned to worship, and they had a big plan. They walked back in the door, and they're having new experiences, and new things are going on. But now we're shifting our focus as to what regrouping looks like and how that looks like as we come back uh, uh, in the coming weeks and months ahead and whatever that looks like uh, for the church. And today we're going to be talking based on age groupings and what that looks like uh, as, as groups regather. One of the things, uh, and I'm going to particularly be talking about the adults, and, and one of the questions that we're going to talk about, one of those three questions, is what is the most important issue that you see uh, when groups return on the first day? And for me, I think it's for uh, with the adults, I think it's the rooms, particularly for coming back into a building. Which one is large enough? Uh, and how are we going to reorganize our space to get folks to coming into those larger rooms? It may mean that we have to rotate groups coming into the same room and cleaning that room. It might be that they're meeting at a different time uh, than Sunday morning. Uh, it might be that they use the sanctuary following the worship service. A lot of different options there are out there, but I think the key question right now for the adults when they come back is going to be, how do we reorganize our space to meet this need as people come back? Jenny, what's going to happen with preschool and children when they come back in the room? Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, getting back into the rooms, looking at, at the space, you know, do we have enough space to social distance? But another key factor for preschool and children is you've got to ahead of time know which volunteers, which Sunday school teachers, life group leaders are ready to come back. So many of um, our volunteers and preschool and children, they are some of your older members many times, not always, but many times, are they ready uh, to come back? So there's gotta be a lot of communication ahead of time with your leaders because this will determine 
how many how what space you can open up because if you don't have the volunteers then obviously you can't uh, you can't combine uh, preschoolers many times uh, or children so uh, so just checking with your volunteers who's ready to come back and when uh, some of them oh yeah the day you open I'm there some of them are going to take a wait and see attitude and uh, some of them may you might not get some back for quite some time because they are older or maybe they do have uh, problems with their immune systems, things like that. Wow, a lot of things to consider there. And, uh, you know, and in, in light of that and thinking of that, we're talking about rooms and space. We're talking about leaders. Cameron, you got anything to add to that related to students? Wow, yeah. Uh, and, and student spaces work a little different than, you know, we don't have a bunch of preschool dolls and toys to, to wash between every handoff between kids. and. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty different. And so for ministry leaders, you need to identify uh, how you're communicating because yeah, you can have your processes, you can have your programs in line, how, what you're going to do differently. Uh, and you know, you can have all that organized, but if you're not communicating it, then, you know, you, you've lost it. Uh, and so you need to identify who you're supposed to be communicating with, not only students, not only parents, you know, not only ministry leaders and volunteers, but also the staff uh, and be over communicating what you're doing to make sure it falls in line with the vision for the entire organization uh, or else you're just going to lose trust and, and over communicating many times uh, builds trust. And, and that's what we've got to do, especially right now. And, you know, to, to show that you can handle the next pandemics, to show that you can handle the next curveball, you've got to hit a home run with this curveball. And so this is your chance, you know, to, to really show and to build trust with your leaders, especially, and parents about, you know, what you're doing. And for programming ideas, you know, we, we want to say, hey, come, you know, over to the Student Ministry Network, come to the Georgia Baptist Kids Facebook groups and ask for ideas about, hey, what, you know, here's my space. What are my limits? And get, and get a bunch of opinions on that. I think that's uh, some of the wise ways to make that happen. That's great. And I think, you know, uh, folks can make comments right now about that or some of the ideas that they're coming yes. up with and what they're thinking about right now in the chat. I think it would be great. Question number two. All right. We've, uh, uh, many of our uh, youth pastors, our children's uh, pastors, ministers have sat in those staff meetings and uh, they've uh, gone through this worship planning and talked about this worship planning and all of this kind of thing. Uh, and now many have returned uh, to worship. Now, what have we learned from that that can help us with this transition into groups uh, as, we, as we do regroup? And I think for, for adults, it's this. Uh, is we, if we look back on this over the last few weeks, how much planning, how many times have uh, we as a team or, or as a Georgia Baptist Mission Board staff tried to contact somebody and say, oh, they're in the meeting planning for their worship to come back. Uh, and I think they've planned and planned and planned and overdone in the, even in some ways, but that caused them to be very, very ready. I visited three churches on their first day and they have done exceptionally well. There was no problems at all. Uh, but I think the planning is a, is a big deal and really pouring the energy into this as well is going to be important. And also, um, I think um, just like coming back to worship, we have to look at the conditions on the ground at the time and what's going on, what are the rules, 
what uh, will our facility be able to accommodate based on those rules and regulations at the time. So just thinking about that. What about you, Cameron? How about students? What, what kind of lessons have we learned from the worship comeback? Wow. Well, I hope we have, many of these student pastors have turned into the staff videographers uh, and, you know, they, they, and all these pastors have all become professional videographers. They've learned things they never uh, thought they would even get close to in seminary, right? And so uh, that's one thing. Uh, but I hope that this has reinvigorated your entire leadership, not only on your staff, but with your, with your leaders. Uh, you know, your leaders should be so encouraged, uh, so empowered uh, to do this uh, like never before because they, they've got a lot of energy, you know, there's, they want to do a lot of things again for those, the first time again. And so making sure that your leaders are strengthened and reinvigorated is, you know, the greatest thing that you can do as a ministry leader right now. And I, I think, I hope we've seen that in your churches as, as you've all banded together to pull off, you know, more focused and intentional worship services that, that this teamwork has just, you know, raised all the water in the harbor and all the boats have risen and it's, it's an exciting time to be on staff of your church. Well, Jenny, what's going on with preschool and children? What, what, what good things have we learned from that, that all those worship meetings? Right. Uh, well, uh, we could spend an hour talking about this and I, I know we don't have that much time. So I'm just going to hit a few of the highlights. Number one, that uh, even those that are coming back are, some are more comfortable. I mean, some, they're ready to hug, no face masks, no nothing. Others are coming back and they still want to socially distance. They, while, they, while they would love to have a hug, they're not ready for that. One thing I'm seeing that I really like in preschool and children is some people are providing bands, red bands and green bands. And if your family is, doesn't really want to do a high five, they, you know, they want their kids to keep social, you put a red band on them. Uh, but if they're like, they're ready, they want the hugs, they want the high fives, they play the games, I don't care what I've touched, you know, they can wear a green band. That way the parents and the children can choose, you know, which one they prefer. That's so that up to parents, because every every family's different as for what they're ready for. But and then just cleaning, cleaning, and recleaning. Uh, as Cameron said, you know, we we've got so much stuff uh, in the preschool area, especially, and so and not just cleaning it. Um, once, number one, but then also, you, you know, what they've used it. Uh, my, my friends down in Valdosta, she, she calls her thing the yuck bucket. And so once a preschooler's had it and had it in their mouth, then it goes in the yuck. Mm. Put it in the yuck. It come back yeah. out until it's been cleaned again. So, uh, but things like that, but also communicating to the parents, to the community, you know, take pictures of you cleaning everything and then let them see, like, you know, post it on Facebook, oh, we're getting ready for you. Um, and another suggestion I've made is um, that you have in every room a sheet that has what needs to be cleaned and then the person that has cleaned it puts their initials and the date or the time that they've That's done good. it. And that way, because Many times you've got another set of leaders come in, well, is this cleaned or was it not cleaned? And so you've got that to, to double check on there. So that's just a few. Yeah, Jenny, you know, I've seen, I saw that on the door at the truck stop going into the bathroom. The other oh, day. yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so true. So true. Having accountability, that's great. That's great. Yes. 
All right, let's let's go to our last question now. Okay, we are we're getting ready to regroup, and now some new opportunities might can happen uh, for for ministry, uh, making some shifts. Some of our worship services have gone from one to two and are staying that way, uh, and lot lot of lot of major shifts that churches may have wanted to make for a long time. What kind of shifts are uh, are possible with groups uh, when it comes to these things? That's the question, and my answer to that question is absolutely. We have good opportunities to create new groups, new groups from groups that have been meeting online, maybe that weren't even a group to start with, and they can be a group. It might be that they have to stay online. It may be a group that is online. Uh, we can now shift some of those rooms around in the building where we had one group meeting in this room, another in another, we might can swap those around. We've always yeah. wanted to. Moving those preschool parents closer to preschoolers moving those senior adults closer to the worship service, those kinds yeah. of things, getting, getting, uh, shifting some of our spaces around. Uh, new models of how we're doing it. Maybe a church wants to go to a hybrid of small groups and, uh, and a Sunday school model too and do both. Uh, this might be a good time to make that shift or to begin some D groups of some very small discipleship groups and, yeah. and unroll and roll that out because we've got, uh, uh, we have shaken the etch-a-sketch here, and we've got a clean slate to work with uh, in many, many cases with groups. Now, Jenny, what's going what's gonna to be the big change for uh, opportunities for preschool and children? Well, one of the things that I love is that we've offered this online opportunity for our preschool and children and their families. So I, kinda, I do especially love that now we're more equipping parents to be the spiritual leaders in their homes. But I'm hoping that this online uh, will continue, even after we're full out, everybody's meeting at the church, because number one, you do many times have uh, sickness, you know, and so like, oh, but, but that doesn't mean Bible learning has to stop. You know, when uh, on Sunday afternoon, pull it up, the, uh, the, what was recorded by the preschool teacher. And so the Bible learning can continue, even if we're sick or in the past, let's say you had a little boy in your class that was all involved in baseball and travel baseball. We just kind of threw up our hands like, oh, we've lost them for the summer. Guess what? Not so much anymore because we've got this online option and we encourage that family that's involved in travel ball. Hey, everybody on your team in the hotel room while you're waiting to play that first game. And, and let's watch this, this, uh, our, our life group, our Sunday school life group together, you know, and especially for the kids. So I, I think that's going to be a huge thing. Uh, yeah. Continuing on with online options. Cameron, what, what about students? What are the, what, yeah. what big changes and big shifts can be made now in student ministry? As we've yeah, it's been exciting. Here. It's been exciting to see all, how creative student pastors and, and children's pastors have been. All the all the uh, creative energy they usually put towards VBS, Jenny, they've just exploded onto, you know, how to handle this. And, and it's been so awesome to see that. Uh, when Just like you said, Mike, there's been so many changes churches have waited maybe 5, 10, 15 years to make uh, that, that they've gotten to make now. They've got a little freedom to make that. We know that crisis can be a catalyst for change when we think about uh, this time. And when you make changes, you're actually highlighting what's important to you. Uh, whether you know it or not, when you make a change, you are highlighting what's important. That's on uh, page 13 of the Orange Handbook. I'm, it's, it's somewhere on there. I'm just kidding. But 
when we when we make these changes, we really have to be ready to clarify why we're making these changes and what it's a part of. So one big shift in student ministry that's been taking place over the past few years is students being more in charge of the ministry, uh, them being so much of the ministry leaders. And we know that our teenagers need to learn to be the church before they leave the church. And so mobilizing them and giving them something important to do is so critical to the, the success of, of our churches and, and their faith becoming personal to them and them growing and thriving, you know, before they don't think church is important because they haven't been given anything important to do. And so what's going to bring a better success for you and your student ministry isn't just making a change that you've always wanted to make. No, these changes aren't going to bring about a better future. It's clarity that's going to bring about a better future for your student ministry. And you've been able to say, we're making this change and point back to a core value of your church and your vision for why you're making that change. And people and parents, leaders will grab on to that. And again, that kind of communication to go back for really does build trust. And that's been exciting to see for me in student ministry around the state. You know, uh, Cameron, I was just thinking that students are, um, <laughs> I'm seeing students behind those cameras now uh, working, working the soundboard, doing that stuff with technology when the pastor just said, I can't do this. How can I be this famous TV preacher? Yes, I've been to a few churches to help out. And it's been all under 18-year-olds back there running those uh, video switchers and whatnot. It's been pretty awesome to see. That's it's wonderful. Well, thank you guys for being with us today, uh, and I hope you'll uh, continue to chat in our in our in our section over there and continue to have this conversation, and also get get up with us uh, on our website at gabaptist.org and and go to discipleship, go to go to the next gen page, and connect with us there. We want to help you. We want to serve you. We want to be a part of your ministry, Scott. I'm going to let you have it, Ron. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys for being here. And uh, one of the things that I, I really enjoy about this conversation, and I've said it for years, that our children and our teenagers are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Plugging them in makes sense. Utilizing them, equipping them to serve right now in big church and other capacities is just, it makes sense. So I hope yes. that people will catch on to that. And let me encourage you as well, go to that children's, uh, Georgia Baptist Discipleship, the Next Gen Children's and the Students pages. Listen, you're going to get updated information, inspiration, and encouragement every single week. We want you to go there as well. And I want to leave you with a thought. Two things that I would uh, encourage you to do just to kind of add to this conversation and put a bow on it. The first one is this. Think beyond borders. There's never been a better time in my lifetime to think beyond borders, to dream big, to try things that no one has ever tried. The best discipleship practices, the best engagement, the best processes for our children and our teenagers have not been identified yet. Right. Think beyond borders and let's go down that road. And the second thing would be this. I just finished a blog called How to Kill the Sacred Cow and Not Get Caught with the Horns. Be nice. willing to kill the cow. Be willing to kill that sacred cow. This is a great time if there's something that's been limiting gospel impact in your children's ministry or your youth ministry. Work with leaders. This is a great time to get rid of that. Thanks again, Jenny Carter, Cameron Wilkins, Mike Taylor. You guys are awesome. 
and we look forward to another broadcast. Thank you all for joining. Make sure you drop comments, ask those questions, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Uh, thanks.